Before we hop into today's episode of the podcast, I want to tell you guys about someone I've been partnering with over the past few months. The name of the company is 2 Before, and if you guys are looking to take your training to the next level, 2 Before is the right product for you. 2 Before is blackcurrant powder, and blackcurrants are antioxidant berries grown in New Zealand. Studies have shown that consuming them regularly improves endurance by increasing blood flow and removing lactic acid. It's used by professional running team 10 Man Elite, as well as teams in the NFL, NBA, and the NCAA. There was one study that showed that using two before consistently can improve your athletic performance by 4.6%. And so as I look to close out this fall on a high note with my training, as well as get in some really quality training this winter, two before is going to become a staple pre-run, pre-workout. I absolutely love this stuff. I've worked with two before for a long time. For this reason, it's become a staple in my daily training and life routine. Because of that, you guys can get 30% off at two before with code the running effect 30. Not only does this get you guys 30% off, but also free shipping. And I've left a link in the show notes. Again, highly recommend this product. And I definitely recommend at least trying it out once and seeing if it works for you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Running Effect Podcast with Dominic Schmieder. The reason I say another is because we release a new episode every other day, and the easiest thing you guys can do to support my work cost-free is to give us a follow and a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. That legitimately takes five to ten seconds to hit those two buttons. And then the third thing you can do is consider sharing today's episode or any episodes you've enjoyed in the past with a friend, a family member, a teammate, someone who you think would find value and benefit from it. Today on the podcast, I am joined by the one and only Adam Wood. Adam is currently training to take his running to the next level with hopes of one day becoming a professional. While pursuing this dream, he has made a massive platform on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, which he uses to document his journey in a vulnerable and personal way that is rarely seen. He has a following of over 100,000 followers across those three platforms combined. Adam ran for BYU in college, where he was teammates with the likes of Connor Mance, Clayton Young, Casey Klinger, and more. Adam currently holds PRs of 410 in the mile, 847 in the steeplechase, 14 flat in the 5K, and 218.37 in the marathon. Adam currently has his eyes set on getting an OTQ in the marathon, and today's conversation was an awesome opportunity to dive into his story deeper, understand where he's come from, his years at BYU, his decision to get into content creation, and so much more. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation with Adam. I had a great time. I learned a lot and Adam shares some invaluable wisdom that I certainly gained a lot from and I'm confident he will as well. And also the guy runs hundred miles a week. He's got a full-time job. He is into content creation. There's nothing this guy can't do. And so overall is just super inspiring. Adam is a very inspirational individual. And so to get the opportunity to talk with him and, and get a bigger look inside his brain was uh, a fantastic opportunity that I certainly uh, appreciate. So without further ado, I hope you all enjoy my conversation with the one and only, the man, the myth, the legend, Adam Wood. Adam Wood, welcome to the Running Effect podcast. How are you doing this afternoon? Good, good. Thanks for thanks for having me on. I'm happy to be here. First question for you. Uh, we're going to talk in present tense. Uh, it's November 6th and yesterday, November 5th. You crushed a long run, as the Strava loyal Strava fans would know. Take us through this long run, and how are the legs feeling a day removed from it? Yeah, so um, legs are feeling good. Uh, kind of on the training schedule, I had 
um, 20 miles just at long run pace, which usually ends up being anywhere from 620 to six flat. And then towards the end, I had a, uh, a three mile pickup just from mile 16 to 19, where I would try and run at or below marathon pace, which I did. I ended up averaging like 510. Um, legs were pretty wrecked the day of after that. I was, I was feeling tired and stuff, but you know, ate some food, got some good rest. Daylight savings has been treating me nice. I've been able to sleep in a little bit. So I'm feeling good right now. What has the adjustment been like for you into these longer runs and workouts? Obviously, as we'll get into, if you run for a place like BYU, naturally you're going to do some longer stuff, but as as I'm sure you know, marathon is a different beast. Marathon training is a different beast. So for you, what's that adjustment period been like to doing these long runs? And quite frankly, you could speak to this, but like 100 mile weeks and 20 mile runs are kind of just the huge at this point for you. Yeah, when I first got started with these big mileage weeks and these big uh, long runs, it was tough at first, especially I feel like the fueling was the biggest thing. I'd, I'd get through 15 miles, 16 miles, I'd kind of be dizzy, you know, and, um, you know, especially when I was not as experienced with fueling, I didn't know how much I should be eating before these long runs, during these long runs and that kind of stuff. And so um, the real big thing was just figuring all that stuff out. And once you figure out how to fuel correctly for yourself in these long runs, they actually feel pretty good. And you come off of them um, better than you do on some of these shorter long runs where you don't fuel. For me, I was training for my first marathon, definitely not as uh, intently or intensely as you do. But uh, one funny thing in regards to fueling was like, I would always just feel weird with the amount of fuel I was putting down. Like it was normal, made me feel great. But there's something weird about just taking like multiple gels in a run. And it's, I don't know. Do you ever reflect on how much fuel is going down your body as you're just like ripping an insane amount of miles at an insane pace? Yeah, I, I agree completely. I thought my assumption going into, you know, marathoning and, and the fueling aspect of it is that your fueling is going to feel good. It's going to be refreshing. You're going to you're going to love every part of it and all that stuff. But to be honest, the gels and the goose, they don't taste that good. And trying to drink that much, you know, fluids and stuff like that while running that fast and for that long, you you don't feel that your stomach doesn't feel that good. You know, your energy levels stay good and your legs feel great, but you just kind of feel blech the whole time. And uh, that was also an adjustment for sure. Outside of gels and Morton drinks and all that fancy stuff, I've heard of some unorthodox methods of fueling, whether it's like gummy bears or those sorts of stuff. Have you ever tried any of that? And if so, what's the weirdest form of fuel you've taken down? I haven't tried anything weird. Um, to be honest, I, uh, in terms of like, I'll stop in the middle of a long run. If I'm doing loops and stuff, I'll stop at my house. And if I'm still hungry, I'll, I'll eat a bagel. I'll just grab something and eat it. So I, I try and like train my gut to not really care, but I've heard of people drinking Coke, flat Coke for their like marathon fuel and, uh, eating like milk duds during their marathons, (laughs) all weird stuff. I don't want to play with any of that during the marathon, but uh, yeah. Does it help? We'll get into this later on. Cause I think she'll come up naturally, but does it help having a wife who is also a runner who understands a weird guy coming in from 10 miles into his run? And he's like, I need a bagel. I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. She's like, she sees me coming from a run early. She's like, all right, like what, like, what do you want? Like, do you need water? Do you need food? Like what, like, what do you need? And it's, it's, it's awesome. She supports me really good. So for those that don't know, you live in Provo, Utah. Uh, I think a lot of people know that like Connor Mance lives there. Clayton Young lives there. You know, BYU team uh, 
lives there isn't necessarily the correct word, uh, resides there for four years yeah. at least. Uh, yeah. What's that like having kind of that, that culture and that atmosphere there specifically as someone who went there, but just like having guys to link up for different runs? I know you do a lot of things solo, but I know you'll link up with them occasionally. What's that kind of atmosphere like? I feel like Provo does not get the love it deserves. It's all Flagstaff and Boulder, but uh, you guys are slowly, I feel like, getting on the map. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. A lot of people, yeah, they like to talk about Flagstaff just because there's so many runners there, but um, there's a lot of good runners here. And it's honestly, it helps me out a lot. There's someone I can always work out with if I need to. There's a group of people who long run every Saturday who are going 20 plus miles at the pace, at six minute pace or faster, right? Just this past weekend, there was like probably 10 guys going 20. And we actually have some people who like to bike and carry our bottles for us and stuff like that. So it's a, it's a great atmosphere and, um, you know, Mance and, and Clayton and those guys, they, uh, you know, they're pretty serious with their training, but they never turn anybody away. If, you know, you want to work out with them or link up with them on a long run or a double or whatever there, it's great. It's, it's just very welcoming and it's awesome. Speaking of those two guys in the city of Provo and also, you know, it being early November, does this give you flashbacks to college days of cross country, you know, preparing between the conference meet and the national meet? What are your fondest recollections of this time of year? Yeah, I mean, this time of year was always the best time of year, especially during cross country on that team, because, um, you know, it's the culmination of all the, the whole season and just the fitness that you've gained and all that kind of stuff. We usually have our big workouts um, before, just before this. So we're coming off those, feeling good, feeling great about ourselves. Regionals was always something that we were very excited for because um, it's just a fun time. It's just it's just a fun time. This type this time of the cross country season is the funnest because it's you're just you're getting ready to roll and uh, getting ready to race hard and the big dance, right? So I, I always love this time of year to be honest. Do you ever reflect on maybe your solo runs and think about the fact that you maybe didn't appreciate those moments as much as you should have? I think for me, removed from high school, I like so regret not appreciating it as much as I should have. But in the moment, you're constantly searching for the next thing that kind of takes you away from appreciating it. So do you feel like you did a good job of like soaking up each moment or removed a few years from it? Are you kind of a little sad that you didn't, you know, enjoy it as much? Yeah, I I feel like I did a good job enjoying it for sure. But I mean, even now, like I'm training just as hard as I was in college and the hardest part isn't the workouts. It's, it's going out on these runs every day by yourself and you don't realize how hard that is until, you know, your team's taken away from you and, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, workouts and, and stuff I can do by myself, you know, and I enjoy doing it, but yeah, getting out there, not having the boys with you, not being able to chat the whole run, you know, it's, it, 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 it does get hard for sure. And uh, that's why I'm, I'm happy I'm so close to, to the guys because I, I can still run with them every once in a while and stuff like that. But yeah, definitely miss it for sure. What's kind of the relationship been like with other BYU alums who maybe aren't at the level that Mance is, he's just kind of in another world, but are still trying to chase after OTQs like yourself? I know there's like always been a group of BYU alums who I feel like still get after it after the college years. What's that kind of process been like connecting with some other people who maybe even don't live in Provo, but you still same you still share the same kind of common pursuit of still wanting to get good at the sport and not hang up the racing shoes just quite yet? Honestly, it's amazing. Like when I when I graduated, when I first graduated, I told myself, like, listen, I'm not good enough to go pro, like I'm not getting any contracts, so I should just be done with running. And there was a couple guys who were still running and you know, someone called me and they were like, Hey Adam, you should still run 
the roads are great. And I said, all right, all right. And it's just, it's amazing having a group of people who still want to get after it, who are, um, have that same kind of mindset as you, but also have to juggle the everyday work life because it's, it's, it's hard when you're training with professionals because they're like, oh, well, we have the morning run at nine, we have weights at noon, then we have a second run at three. And it's like, bro, I work nine to five, right? So I got to get my runs in in the morning and the afternoon. And so to have a group of people who are on that same kind of schedule is like, it's a blessing for sure. It's one of the best things about being here. I told you before this, I didn't plan any questions, but I knew some would naturally come up with my curiosity about you and, and your life. The biggest thing I'm curious about is how do you do it all? You know, I see you on TikTok. I see you on Instagram. I see you now on YouTube. You're crushing it. And then I see you logging crazy weeks and you seem to be a pretty balanced individual, at least within the sectors of things, maybe unbalanced within the balance. So how do you do it, man? Like, take me through what does a normal day in your life look like? And are you going crazy these days trying to make everything work? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a lot and it's hard. Um, you know, I get up and I, first thing I do in the morning, I'm up at five, sometimes six, I feel like sleeping in, but I get my run in, usually a longer run in, um, or workout, which is, uh, which is always tough to do, especially during these colder months. But, uh, and then I just, I work for the rest of the day. As soon as I get off work, I, I'm running again. So it's like the nice, the good thing about my situation is I have a wife who's a runner. So she's completely understandable. She just graduated herself. She wants to keep running post-collegiately as well. So we kind of have a good, um, a good balance and a good schedule going on. We both keep each other accountable. We're waking up. We're helping each other whenever we can, making meals for each other, that kind of stuff, which really helps a ton. Um, but yeah, it's it's hard. Like, you know, there's a lot of people out there doing it. I'm not going to pretend like I'm the only guy who's training really hard outside of the post-collegiate system, but yeah, it's uh, it's a grind for sure. And I think you got to make sure that you, you're staying balanced, just like you said, you know, because um, especially with marathon training, it's it's pretty easy to get tired and to get sucked in. And if you're not, you know, relaxing every once in a while, um, it does, it's not good for performance for sure. So on a deeper perspective of things, we can get into these two results. But recently you've had two DNFs from uh, marathons that you trained really hard for what's the mentality coming out of those? Like, I'm sure just the natural inclination of the human brain is negative. And so were you kind of battling those interior thoughts that like, I sacrificed so much and this is the result? Was that kind of hard to come to terms with of like, your whole life is structured around this one sport and being as, as good as possible within it. And so when you don't see the results that you ultimately train for, and we're probably in shape for it, quite frankly, how do you kind of deal with that mentally? Yeah, honestly, it's it's tough. Right off the bat, after coming off races like that, your your mind just goes to like, well, you just, you know, we're getting up early before work and we're tired at work all those days for nothing, right? And um, it's, it's important to battle those and not to believe those because, you know, regardless of the outcome, you're still gaining fitness, you're gaining experience. There's so many things that come from these type of races and stuff like that. But it is hard and it's, it's hard being on social media and, and, and that kind of stuff, because there's a lot of people who kind of keep up with what you're doing and your training and your races and stuff like that. So not only do you have to answer yourself, like what happened, but you kind of, you have to explain it to all these people, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's a hard thing to do. And, um, it's just a balance for sure. It's, it's all about, it's all about balance is what it is. 
Personally, how do you come back from a setback uh, or a disappointing race or a disappointing workout? And what would be some advice to a listener who's maybe coming off of a, a difficult race and is maybe deep down inspired that you haven't had, you know, a sunshine and rainbows career because they can relate to it? What would you say to them? Yeah, honestly, you I feel like you have to feel I have a rule and my team has this rule, but you can feel sad and upset for 24 hours. You can throw yourself a pity party. You can be down in the dumps for 24 hours. But after that, you got to get over it and you have to kind of put yourself in the thinking situation, a reflecting situation like, all right, what happened? You know, you have to look at the mental aspects and the physical aspects. And for someone like myself, I, I think you just got to know yourself really well, because for someone like myself, I know that, you know, I'm working as hard as I can. And I know that, you know, I'm I'm good mentally in, 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 in that regard. So I have to, you know, break down my training, like what? can I do better in training? And then I also have to look at what can I do better mentally. So I just think you have to think about it logically, which, which is a hard thing to do when you're, when you're the athlete. So, um, you know, having a support system as well, right. I have my wife and I have my coach who they look at my training. They know me very well. So they, they look and they're like, okay, Adam, like this is from the outside perspective of like what we see. And it's, it's just a collaboration of, of all these thoughts to kind of figure out what's going on and what, where to go next. Right. We've kind of tackled the the running part of things. I'm curious to chronicle back to the start of deciding to become more vocal on social media and more vocal about documenting your specific journey. Can you take me back to that point when you thought, hey, I should probably start creating content? Yeah, so that was in December of last year, actually about a year ago. And my wife, she she did TikTok. She didn't do running TikTok or anything like that. She would just, you know, do the, the trends and the dances and all that stuff. And she's like, Adam, you should post your running stuff on here. And I was like, oh man, that's like, I'm busy. That's like a lot of work, you know? And she's like, yeah, but a lot of people would like to see what you're doing. And so eventually she convinced me to start posting some stuff on there. And um, most of it was just like the mileage I'd hit or my long runs or like a cheesy edit of, of myself working out or whatever. And, um, you know, eventually people start asking questions and then I just started answering these questions and it, it kind of, it took off from there, which I was so surprised about because I was just throwing stuff up there that I thought was cool. And it was weird when other people also were thinking it was cool. Um, just cause I, I wasn't expecting that at all. So, um, yeah, it's been about a year now. It's crazy how, how fast that goes. And then what was the journey from, I feel like when you started your YouTube channel, you were already pretty big on Instagram and TikTok. What was the decision to go, you know, all in on the uh, longer length, not just short form? Yeah, because TikTok is, TikTok is hard um, in different ways than YouTube is. YouTube, it takes a lot of time, effort and planning and, and, and things like that. Whereas TikTok and like Instagram Reels and all those short form content, um, they're fun and they're easy to get videos out, but it's really hard to kind of show your personality in these videos. And sometimes you're, you don't get to be as creative as you'd like to be because you're always trying to, you know, use a trending audio or follow a trend of some kind. And so I still like to do it. It's, it's, it's fun for sure. But YouTube kind of scratched the itch of like me being creative and me kind of having a vision and being able to like, just do whatever I wanted to do. And again, I wasn't, I wasn't, I don't know how big it's going to get or anything like that, but I just think it's cool to, it's like a video log, you know, I'm just like putting up my training and, you know, my thought process behind races and stuff, which I really enjoy doing. And, um, I guess people are connecting with that and, and enjoying it, which, 
you know, makes me happy. So I'm assuming as you sit with me here today, the goal is full time eventually for, you know, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram and running. Yeah. I mean, I'm listen, my wife will tell you this too. I am a dreamer. You know, I'm always like, man, what if like one day I just hit it? I run crazy fast. I have my social media to support me and, you know, I get sponsored or, you know, it's just like, it's, uh, yeah, I just, I love it. And so I would be running regardless of if I was posting. So this is kind of a fun little avenue of being like, oh yeah, maybe, you know, if, if this works out, then it'll make it so I can run a little bit longer or I don't have to work all day, you know, maybe I'll be able to work part-time or, or whatever, you know, just, you know, the sky's the limit, honestly, I'm not trying to put myself in a box or anything like that. I'm just kind of trying to see where it goes, you know? With the numbers you're putting up as someone who does this full-time, I'm beyond confident. You're probably not that far away. Uh, so <laughs> keep at it in 2024 and, and you'll probably surprise yourself because that's the thing thing with running, with uh, content creation, with business, things just happen very quickly but you needed all of the buildup leading into it. It's kind of like an overnight breakthrough takes a thousand nights in the dark and you didn't see any light on the 999th day, but the thousandth day you're like, oh, this came out of nowhere. And it's like, no, you needed all the work previous to get you to oh, that I, point. Absolutely. That is like, that is so true. I, I've had, I've posted so many bad videos that, you know, got like 500 views back when I first started. And yeah, it's, it's a learning process and uh, you know, yeah, it's just fun. It's, it's been fun for sure. Do you ever reflect on the fact that, yes, you're not the fastest objectively, but you're really good at taking action and that's why you're successful on these platforms? Because quite frankly, like very, very, very few runners post and post high quality content consistently. I think that's the word. Some people post, you know, once every two weeks or every pro runner, not to throw shade at them, but like they have like their track workout highlight reel once a month. It's like, great, but can you do it consistently? You know what I mean? And so you yourself, like... I'll go on the record and state, even if you never run faster than 218, you'll probably still continue to build a massive following because there are so many people who are pining for running content, but so few people are delivering on it. And so when someone like you or your wife starts delivering on it, people don't care about times too much. Like maybe if you're running 10 minute miles, they would care a little bit, but I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. It's honestly, it's weird. It's so weird because there's a lot of people who really you know, they're telling me like, good job. I'm like, I want to be like you, you know, all these things. And I'm like, guys, like, I feel like I don't deserve this. Like there are a lot of better runners than I am. You know, like I just, I just tell my story. There's a lot of other people with good stories, you know, out here that just like don't necessarily communicate that. And I, I think that's a huge missed opportunity to some of these professional athletes, you know, I mean, they're a professional athlete, right? So at the end of the day, like, their job is to perform and their job is to, um, you know, run hard. Right. And the social media stuff kind of comes second. I just think it's a big missed opportunity because, you know, building your own personal brand is, is, uh, is something that will always benefit you regardless of how fast or how quick you are. And it makes me wonder sometimes why brands, you know, like these big brands, they have all this money. Why don't they just dedicate someone to each of their athletes to, you know, show up to their workout, show, show up to their runs and actually give these athletes consistent content to post, you know, all the time. I just, I just think it would be, I think it would be great. I think it would be awesome. I love the saying comparison is the thief of joy. I think it's so true. And I think it's a big reason people don't 
post on social media. They're scared to give people an inside look into their lives, into their running, into the things that matter most to them. And they're constantly crippled by the fear of what other people will think about them or think about them. And the reality is people aren't really thinking about you. Like studies have been done that we way overestimate the amount that other people think about us. For you, was there a a flip the switch moment where you were like, I don't really care what people think about me? Or have you kind of had that naturally going into it? Yeah. So, I mean, I've always kind of had that naturally of like, I'm just going to do what I do. But, you know, once you start getting numbers on your on your posts and people start commenting and you're reading all these comments and you're like, oh, my gosh, like, yeah. So it's it's something you definitely got. to. It's just something you got to learn. You know, the Internet is like it can be such a great place, but it can also be such a hateful place. Right. And I think you just got to realize that there's some people who are only on the Internet to bring hate, you know, that's just what they do. They think that's funny, whatever. And so that helps me not like identify with these comments. Cause like, it doesn't, it just doesn't apply to me, you know, it applies to them or whatever, but it just doesn't apply to me. And I, I think that, um, yeah, I just think you gotta be, you just gotta be smart with it. And, and again, it's just about balance, right? You can't, you can't go all into social media and you can't just be looking at all these comments and stuff like that. Cause it's, it's just a, it's a rabbit hole. It's a dark hole and you'll spiral down in it if you're not careful. Speaking of hate comments, I've seen hate comments on other creators. I've gotten them myself, but I saw it taken to the next level with you. Uh, you posted a TikTok the other week that three of your competitors from a race you were in commented. Can you take the people through this story? And how does that feel? Like that's, I mean, you know, the names that it, one, it's gotta be awkward, but two, it's gotta feel different because you can actually visually put faces to the names yeah it's definitely it's weird for sure because you know i just i i will never understand giving hate to another runner when you are already a runner because the fact of the matter is, is we've all been there we've all had bad races we've all had performances we're not like necessarily the most proud of so to me it's just it's crazy that that people would just say anything and um you know, I, it, it is what it is. Like, I, I also understand that I'm posting my stuff out for the whole world to see. And, you know, I say stuff on there that, you know, might rub people the wrong way. I don't think, I don't think it should, but it might. And, you know, I'm just, I'm understanding of that. Like when, when you do what I do, there's going to be some people who, you know, like to, like to talk some smack or or say some stuff and and that's all right. Is it motivating to you at all? Or do you just brush it off and only think about it when someone like myself brings it up you know it's very uh it's motivating for sure i had this one before i got big it's actually so funny because before i got big i people i made a video talking about like how i would work and run right and i said like the secret is just like you know pretending that you have imaginary haters like preying on your downfall or whatever and a lot of people like that and it's weird having actual haters and you know a lot of people um 99% of my comments are all positive and people uplifting me and stuff like that. But, you know, when people, you know, say stuff like that, I, I I try and reframe it as like fuel to the fire. Right. I just am excited to, to run faster and kind of prove wrong and stuff, you know, my outside perspective, curious to hear your thoughts on this. I don't know that those individuals names, uh, not to hate on them, get faster if you want me to recognize you. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I didn't recognize the names. I only like, yeah, watching the video, it's like, oh, okay, apparently they were in the race if Adam's saying so. I'm curious to what extent it was hating because of the platform that you have and jealousy of the numbers that you have. Because I think 
I generally sympathize with the idea that you'll never find a hater who's doing better than you. And maybe they had better races or I don't know if they did, but if they did, they're not on social media. They're not getting the praise and recognition that you did. They're not getting the sympathy comments. Like I'm assuming someone like that, when they see the amount of followers you have, the the amount of likes your videos get, the views, that's got to sting a little bit because they're just as fast, but they're not putting themselves out there. And so I think it's projecting a little bit of like, I'm jealous that he's got the platform that I, that I don't. And I'm just as fast. Yeah. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know why they're saying the stuff that they're saying, but, um, it's, if I had to guess or think about it, I just think it's because a lot of people are actually doing what I'm doing. A lot of people are, you know, racing and and running, you know, post collegiately and working and, and they're doing that. Right. And they're not necessarily seeing, you know, the stuff that I'm seeing from it, you know, like, I'm posting and I'm getting numbers and all these opportunities because of it. And so, yeah, I think it could come from a place of like, well, I'm doing this and I actually might run a little bit quicker, you know, but like, you don't see me like posting about it. I, th- I think that's where it mostly comes from, which, you know, it's, it's to each their own, you know, um, I, I try not to think about it. I, I like being here in Utah in my own little bubble with my wife, just running every day and, and just throwing stuff up on, on social media, you know? How I view it is the platforms exist. Why wouldn't you utilize them to make a greater impact on the world? <laughs> like it's kind of yeah. a no brainer to me. Yeah, absolutely. I tell everybody, I'm like, listen, if you're doing something that you're really passionate about, you should post on TikTok and Instagram and YouTube, and you should just see if it takes off. If it doesn't, it's like no harm, no foul. Like, you know, it didn't take off, but you know, the potential upside of, of doing these things and, and building your brand and stuff like that, I just think is, is crazy. I mean, a year ago, if you'd have told me like, Hey, you are kind of, uh, you know, a big deal. Like you, ha- you have a little platform. I would, I would have said, you're crazy. I would have said, there's no, not a chance. Like, you know, but I just, so I just, I encourage everybody to do it. To be honest. And I would honestly push back a little there. Not that you would disagree with this, but to add more substance to what you were saying, don't even do it to see if you'll blow up, do it for yourself and to do something challenging for yourself and to even like, all the best people who have made it, like a lot of people will consult me and say, hey, Dominic, how do I get big on social media or how do I start a podcast? And the number one thing I say is you have to have a strong why. And generally the why relates to the person. Um, and so if you have a strong why and a strong mission and vision, no matter how many views your videos get, you'll still do it because your why is deeper than you know, the metrics, the dollars, whatever it might be. And the people who I see fail are the ones who are metric focused. And that's why I wouldn't be surprised if you didn't know this because you're not into podcasting, but 90% of podcasts quit after three episodes. And then of the 10% who survive, 90% of those quit after 20 episodes. And so if you release 21 podcast episodes, you're in the top 1% of podcasters ever. But very few people are willing to post 21 times without the gratification of immediate success. And so I think for people, even the the discipline and the practice of posting things consistently and not getting immediate gratification is I think a really, really good thing for building yourself out as human being. Yeah. I mean, that's a crazy statistic. First off, that's crazy. I I didn't know that about the podcasting world, but I mean, it, I, I agree, you know, 100%. I, again, I just started because I liked running and I, I am a nerd. And, you know, when I was in high school, there wasn't, like there wasn't that much running content. Right. And so I was posting my running content because I was like, Oh, these were the videos that I would like have to have seen in high school. And it's kind of cool to like 
you know, make a video about myself or whatever, you know, that I would have wanted to see and just document my running in that way. And, uh, you know, I was doing that and I did it for a long time. It took me like, you know, four, five months of just like posting and not really getting anything before, like I had one video blow up and then it was just like, all of a sudden like, okay, I, I guess we're doing this now. Like this is, it's just crazy. And to the previous sentiment of an overnight breakthrough takes a thousand nights in the dark, you needed those four months of videos before it for that to happen. You know what I mean? That was your first video. Who knows if it would have blown up. You needed the reps beforehand to even make that result meaningful, right? Like if you got it immediately, it wouldn't be meaningful. What made it meaningful was that all your other videos before that had quote unquote flunked. And so it was different. And that's what kind of brought it some meaning. So yeah, I think that the discussion is so interesting. And even like the crazy stat of, um, goldfish have an attention span of eight seconds and humans have an attention span of seven. And it's like, <laughs> it's crazy. And because of that, like very few humans actually have the delayed gratification that's necessary to be successful. Um, whether it's in running business, content creation, whatever it might be. And then to something you were saying there as well, um, that's a sentiment I've heard as well of like create the content that you back in the day would have wanted. I think it's so true. Or I hear in the writing world that, um, Writers write the book that they need to read themselves, which is so interesting, um, specifically in like the self-help whatever world. It's like people view these authors of ha as having that subject figured out. And it's like, no, they did the years of research because they needed it themselves, you know? So I think it's so true. Like create the videos that you yourself want to see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I, I mean, I even see that with like my YouTube videos and stuff like that. Like I, I like to talk about kind of like, you know, the struggles I had while I was running you know, and, and while I was like, you know, on this collegiate team and stuff like that. And I just think it's like, yeah. And that's why I think more, I think more professional runners and more people should just do it because if you have something to say and people start connecting with it, I, I just think it's important to like pass on information that could be helpful to, uh, you know, to the next generation, because, uh, there's, there's just a lot that, that you can learn in that time. Right. Let's give some context to the Adam who's sitting with me today, way back in time. Take me through how young Adam Wood got started in the sport of running. Yeah, so it's so it's so cliche. It's like the whole like I was good at running the mile in middle school, and so I got to high school and was like, okay, I'm gonna run track, and, <laughs> and that I mean that's exactly what it was. And I mean immediately I I fell in love with with running, and and uh, I don't even think I really liked running that much. I think I just really liked having a schedule and a routine and being disciplined. When I was in high school, I had that whole like David Goggins mentality, right? I was like, you need to work as hard as you can to carry the boats. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I was carrying the boats in high school. And it's just so funny because I was not nearly as good as I just wasn't fast. And I was out here, um, you know, getting mad at my high school teammates for eating cookies because I was like, you don't actually want to be great, right? So I think I fell in love with the fact that running was something like what you put in, you get out. And so that's like what motivated me to be so disciplined and so like psychotic about just whatever about running, you know? Do you think you were a naturally disciplined person or do you think the discipline was a byproduct of getting serious about running? I think, honestly, I think, I think I'm an, I was a naturally disciplined person. I was, I mean, I don't know how many people can relate to this, but in middle school, I would wake up every day and do a hundred pushups just because I was like, all right, like I, you know, I got to get big. And I did that every day. And I, I remember getting up and, and, you know, doing whole weight routines when I was just, you know, 12 years old. And it's just a weird thing that I enjoyed to do, but, uh, I did it every day and I, I really liked doing that. So I think, I think I was just a disciplined person from the start. 
not sure if you have other siblings, but what was your parents' perception of you doing that growing up? What were their thoughts on it? What were things they said as well as if you had siblings, what was their perspective on it? And were they similar? Oh, they, my parents thought I was crazy. Like seriously, they thought I was crazy. Like I would, yeah, they just thought I was crazy. And my siblings, <laughs> I talked to them now and they're like, yeah, we'll never live up to you, Adam. Like you're always like getting after it. And you know, mom and dad, they're like, why are you getting up in the morning and, you know, getting all the stuff you need to get done. But it's just, yeah, my, I'm just crazy. Everyone in my family just thinks I'm crazy. <laughs> For me in middle school, I relate to a lot of that, but I think a lot of it was a byproduct of reading books. Um, I didn't read Goggins back then, but things like that, where I would read about uh, inspirational figure and I would like set the book down and I'm like, what am I doing? What, how am I living? Like I had crazy thoughts in middle school too, where it's like, yeah, I got to be doing a certain amount of chin-ups every day just because, you know, I feel like if I'm not getting better, I'm getting worse. Was it like super intrinsic for you that you just felt like you had to do it? Or was it kind of the situation of watching a movie or reading a book or a magazine or whatever that kind of triggered that? I think actually it was exactly that. I think I'd watch these movies of, of these people doing amazing things. You know, even now, like I'm a sucker for like a good like sports movie, like the Creed movies. Oh, I love those because it's just like, and I, I have always loved those. And I think that's just something I like as a kid, look, watching movies like that. I was like, I want to, I want to be like that. And, you know, there's like cartoons and, and TV shows, you know, and you just want to be the main character, right? You want to, you want to work hard, get stronger, and then, you know, defeat the villain or whatever. And that's kind of like, I think that's where it all started. You know, when did you start to realize some of the gains of the work you were putting in, in high school? Honestly, it was my sophomore year. I, I noticed some stuff early on I had a I had a teammate my freshman year his name is Rory Linkletter and he uh you know he's a professional runner now but he as a freshman was or as when I was a freshman he was a senior he kind of took me under his wing a little bit and was was telling me like hey like if you're gonna you know be here like you should be here and work hard right and I think that you know he graduated and left and I kind of um took over as as like kind of a, a leader on that team and just being like all right guys like we have to we have to work hard we have to do this and and that really came about my my sophomore year I I, I mean you know when you're in high school you you make all these big jumps and stuff because you're not as developed right and so I, that's when like I really started to feel like running was something I was good at right Roy as a senior you as a freshman uh, if I'm not mistaken Roy Roy is now your coach how full circle is it looking back that uh, Coach Roy was doing his magic as a senior in high school and it carried over to present day now that he's actually your coach? Oh, it's, I mean, it's crazy. And it's something that's like, I just feel like it works so well because, I mean, we've been buddies ever since and, and he knows me better than, you know, a lot of other people. And uh, and it's funny because, you know, this past marathon when I DNF'd, he's like, he's like, bro, like, I feel like I had a bad race. Like, I feel, you know, like... He just felt really bad. He's like, I feel like I'm there with you, right? And so I just think it's like, it's good to have a coach who um, can empathize with you like that. I'm, I'm sure a lot of coaches can, but he, uh, I mean, he, he's been in it with me for a really long time. And I think that makes it kind of a special relationship. As you sit with me many years removed from high school and think back on those years and those experiences, is there a particular moment or race that stands out to you as being most memorable? Honestly, it's, Okay, so it was probably my freshman year in track. I, you know, I wanted to break five in the mile. 
And I specifically want to break five in the mile because there was this girl on our team. Her name uh, is Lucy Biles. She, you know, was pretty good on the national level in high school and she went to North Carolina and stuff like that. But she was like a senior as well. And her mile PB, I don't know what it was, but it was under five minutes. And I didn't like the fact people were teasing me like, oh, Adam, Lucy can run faster than you can. And so I just remember, you know, taking that personally and and uh, working hard and the first time I went under five, I ran 4:52. It was like a, it was like a 10 second PV. I was super excited about that. It was some race here in Utah, and what's really funny is that actual same day, later that night, she went to Arcadia in California to race the mile. Oh boy! She ran like four. She ran like 4:48. Or uh, I saw that coming from a mile away. <laughs> Once yeah, you said Arcadia. Yeah but, yeah, but it was just like, yeah. I think that race realized like, with that big a jump that I made, like it was like I was addicted from from then on, I just like was always like seeking improvement. Right. Take me through the transition to ultimately decide to go to BYU and then kind of your years there. I'm sure, uh, as with any like collegiate career, I'm sure each year could be its own podcast, but however you want to summarize kind of the BYU experience. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I chose to go to BYU cause BYU was good. You know, they're a podium team in cross country, like always. And um you know rory had just done really well there and so i was like we're from the same program like i'll hopefully transition well and um i knew that byu did a lot of you know mileage and 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 these big workouts whereas the program i was from i was always a little frustrated with because you know i'm psychotic my coach was like no you can only run 40 miles a week and i was like no no no. i want to do like all the miles right i just want to do as many as i can i want to do this workout so i wanted to go to a program where it was like okay i know that i know what i'm going to be getting right high mileage, high volume workouts, right? So that was my initial step there. And to be honest, it was hard. I did not adjust as well as I thought I was going to adjust there. And I just think it's because, you know, as I said before, BYU is good. They, they got a lot of good guys there. So I went from being number one on my, you know, high school team to just getting absolutely slapped by everybody, <laughs> just everybody. I was bad. I was like the worst guy on the team, which was crazy. And um, honestly, it took me like, it took me two years before I finished, like before I finished a workout the way I was supposed to finish a workout. Right. Like, you know, the first year I didn't finish any workouts. The second year I was finishing these workouts, but it was almost as if I was racing them. You know, I was, I was selling my soul to, to finish these workouts with these guys. Right. And then, you know, um, by the time my junior year and then, you know, my fourth and fifth year kind of happened, I was, uh, I was finally hit running these workouts the way I was supposed to, right? So if it was a tempo workout, it was tempo effort and not race effort, right? And I think that's when I saw a lot of, that's when I honestly saw the most improvement, right? It was like a dog fight for the first two years, which was my fault, not Coach Iceland's fault. I would, he was like, oh, are you good at him? Like, yeah, I'm fine. You know? <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's when I saw the most improvement is when I started running the workouts the way I was supposed to. And um, after that, it was just, it was just all, it was just fun. Early on when that was a struggle, as you kind of outlined there, was that motivating? Like, did that make you hungry or was it discouraging? Oh, it was both. It was both. Like, I don't know how to describe it, but yeah, it was like, I would get so frustrated because, you know, I was like, what am I doing? Like, why am I getting just destroyed every day? Right. And so that like, I never gave up. Right. And I always wanted to keep working hard and stuff like that. But you know, it's, it ebbs and flows. There was there were some periods in the season where I was like, man, like maybe I'm just not cut out for running. Right. And then there was times where I was like, no, like this is, this is what I'm doing. Right. 
And that's another reason why I like, I want to get on social media and, and all this kind of stuff is because like, I feel like you look at runners and you look at like collegiate runners and runners who have been on these teams and you think, wow, like they love running or, and it was all like sunshine and rainbows. And for me, it was not like, it was very hard at first and, and it was an adjustment. And I think that, you know, if I could go back and tell myself something, I'd tell myself like, you just got to be patient with yourself. And like, when you're patient and you like let your body do what it does instead of trying to force things, that's when you see like the results and stuff. Right. So, um, yeah, it, it was, it was hard, but it was good. It built character and, uh, yeah, it was, it was good. If you could go back and change anything in college, would you, or would you keep it how things played out? Oh, that's such a hard, that's such a hard question because I mean, you know, I probably wouldn't change anything from the sentiment of like, it's, you know, the cheesy little, it's made me who I am today. Like if I would have changed something, like I probably, there's like a chance I wouldn't be running. I wouldn't be posting any of my stuff on social media. Right. And so, I mean, I don't think I would change anything just because like, it really made me connect with like why I was running, like why I liked to run and and that kind of stuff, which I think is, is good for sure. But I mean, if I could have, if I could have ran faster and had all that, you know, have all this, then I, I would choose to do that obviously. Right. Off the top of your head, coach Ed Eyestone, absolute legend, previous BYU guests only speak extremely high of him and the impact he's had on not just their lives, but their, their, or excuse me, not just their running, but also their lives for you off the top of your head. What is the biggest lesson you learned from coach Ed Eyestone during your five years at BYU? Oh man, that is, there's so many lessons and there's so many stories and and things that I think about. I have two, I want to give two. The first one is like, so running related. It's like, it's called C squared equals C squared or E squared. So it's a rule. It's consistent competence equals eventual excellence. Clayton Young mentioned that in some podcasts he did, but it's like, that really helped me like figure it out. Right. And I still am learning this lesson because as soon as I start to see any bit of progress, I'm like all in again. But, um, it's just like you hear everybody say, it's about having those B plus workouts, those C plus workouts and not necessarily having to swing for the fences on every single workout. And that to me was, you know, one of the biggest lessons I've learned and I'm still trying to work on. Right. And then the next lesson is more like life related coach. I he, he sees you as a person before he sees you as an athlete. You know, I, I had struggles there and and he knew it. Right. And I think that that is a good thing that he knew because I mean, I would talk to him about it and, and I felt comfortable enough talking to him about it. And, um, I was never worried about like my spot on the team or anything like that because he, he kind of saw me as a person, you know, and he, he kind of met me where I was at and that was really helpful. And that's kind of like, how I want to live my life with, with people, you know, I want to, I want to see them as a person and not just as these kind of things. So those are kind of the biggest things I learned from from him. Going all the way past back to present day. What are some things on your mind? What are you, what are you looking after? What are you chasing after? Whether it's running life, social media, what are some things you're excited about as you sit here and talk with me today? Yeah. I mean, I'm excited that, you know, since I'm not in the collegiate system anymore, I can do whatever I want in terms of races, in terms of all these kind of, all these kind of things. Right. And so, you know, the marathon is kind of what I've been focused on for the past year and, and I'm excited. I have another marathon coming up in a month and then 
hopefully after that the Olympic trials. But the nice thing is after that, it's like, okay, do I go back to the track? You know, am I going to be running five Ks steeplechase or, you know, am I going to try and do the road race circuit? Right. And, um, that's like what I'm most excited about because the focus just becomes on just being fit and, and kind of having fun and not necessarily having to worry about the stuff that you worry about when you're a collegiate athlete, like, you know, travel spots and, and like scholarship, you know, not that any of that stuff was ever a big deal, but it's like stuff you think about and worry about, you know, when, when you're going to school and all this stuff. And so really, I think what I'm mostly excited about is just being able to keep doing what I'm doing, which is, you know, enjoy the process, go to the races that like excite me the most, you know, and kind of go from there. And a cool thing is too, is that my wife, Mika, she just graduated and she's running as well. So it's going to, we're going to be going on a lot of vacations that are centered around track meets and, and that kind of stuff, which I think is, I think it's a, a great thing. I, that's what I'm most excited for. Maya, uh, I don't think I told you this in messaging, but when I invited you on in the back of my head, I was like, okay, I got to get your wife on next. And then I have to get the two of you both on at the same time. Cause I think that would be a lot of fun. So I'll save some questions about you two for hopefully that potential episode when you're both on here. Um, but we mentioned it a little bit earlier, just your wife and kind of the dynamic, but can you speak to it a little more, how you guys um, balance each other out, make each other better and ultimately, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because I think it's so evident in your videos, which is super beautiful, just like how you guys are so supportive of one another. So in response, if possible, uh, what's the impact she's had on you and what's that relationship been like for not just you as a runner, but you as an individual? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, she, I mean, she just, she's the best like i don't even i it's hard for me to put into words like how much she supports me and and what she does for me you know she's like i couldn't run without her she you know gives me the confidence to be going out there and and doing these kind of things because um you know it's it's hard when you're when you're running by yourself and you're you want to go to these races you're like oh man should i be doing this and having someone there who supports you and helps you um is like so important and it works so well because she, you know, was a runner herself. And so she kind of knows how to, how to keep me grounded. I think that's, I think that's the biggest thing is like, as I said before, like I'm a, I'm a dreamer. Like I am like always thinking about like these big things. Right. And I think that's a great thing, but I think she kind of helps me like bring things into perspective and, and kind of keeps me grounded in that way, which, which helps make my whole like running thing like more sustainable. Right. I think if it was just me, it wouldn't be sustainable. And the fact that she is here, she helps make it sustainable. And so that's like, you know, she's doing the same thing I'm doing. So I always ask myself, like, how am I going to make this sustainable for her? Like, how am I going to like help her as much as she's helping me? Right. And, and I think that that's why it works is because we uh, we're you know, we're in it with each other. Right. When she has a bad race, I have a bad race. You know, it's like, I feel that we feel that. And so I just, it just works. It just works. We, we complement each other very well. And I think that, um, you know, it's just, it's just great. Something I wouldn't be surprised if you've uh, reflected on in the past is that as long as like social media and the internet exists, you know, your future kids, grandkids, your future self can go back and look at any of the content that you produced and what Adam Wood was like before X marathon or during X workout or during this month of this year, I think podcasts are, 
more unique in the sense that they're longer form. I think they're more raw. You're able to become more vulnerable. So for you, as you sit with me here today on November 6th, 2023, what is a message you want to put in the time capsule for future Adam Wood, Adam Wood's kids, whoever it might be down the line who wants to come back to this episode and uh, figure out what Adam's thinking on November 6th, 2023? Yeah. I mean, this is, uh, this is going to be so cheesy because I'm just like a cheesy guy, <laughs> but I just like, I think about this all the time. I'm like, man, I want my kids to like look at what I'm doing and to be like, dang, like dad went for it. Like he went for it and he knew what he wanted. And you know, like he, he's not getting paid to do this, but he is like working like he's getting paid to do it. Right. And I want my kids to see that. And I want them to, I just, I'm going to want them to go after it. Right. I want, I want them to be, I'm going to want them to be high performing. And, and most of all, I'm going to want them to just like, chase after whatever gets them excited because i i just think that's i just think that's an important aspect of life you know and and you know maybe future adam is going to need to listen to this when he's old or whatever and is going to need to be told to like hey like go after what you want to do because um you know that's just that's what we're here for right Adam, the final question I ask every single guest on every single episode. Sounds like you've listened to the podcast before, so you might be anticipating this depending on how far you've made it. But the question is, if you had Gordon Ramsay coming over to your house for dinner, what would you choose to make for him? Oh, man. You know what? This is like such a funny question because I am not a good cook. Like I'm not the, the cooker of this house. It's my wife. The thing is that like I'll make her breakfasts in the morning because she, you know, she's hurrying and going to work and she tells me like, She's like, no, I'll make myself breakfast this morning. It's all right. And I'm just, I'm like, hey, you don't like my cooking, right? <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm thinking I'm going to make them like, I don't know. It's going to be, oh, actually, you know what? I'll make them some pizza rolls because like that's like my favorite cheat meal. Um, whenever like I'm feeling down, like I need something, it's it's pizza rolls or mac and cheese. It's like my, my childhood diet. So <laughs> hopefully I'll appreciate that. You know, I mean, I make them in the air fryer so they're a little crispy, whatever, but. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I would make for them. Adam, it's been such a fantastic opportunity to hear more of your story, learn more about you. Um, I guess one final question before I close this out, and thank you for coming on the show. Plug everything. I'll leave it in the show notes, but uh, where can people find you for someone who has never heard your name before and they're like, Dominic and Adam keep talking about his TikTok and Instagram. I want to see it. I want to give some context. Can you share with the people where they can find you on everything? Yeah, so it's pretty simple. TikTok is Adam Wood um my mine and my wife's instagram account is the woods run um and then my tiktok is adam wood runs very creative or i guess my youtube is adam woods run very creative so um yeah that's that's where they can kind of tune in to see whatever i'm doing i love it adam appreciate you keep crushing it man yeah th hey thanks for having me on i really appreciate it Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the podcast. I don't take your time for granted, so I hope that it brought you some wisdom and value that you can apply directly into your running and into your life. If you have not already done so, please consider giving us a follow and a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And then something all of you guys can do is share today's episode or the podcast in general with a friend or someone who you think will benefit from it. One more note, if you're not already following us on Instagram, consider doing so. My Instagram tag is at the running effect. I hope your running and life is going well. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy life to listen to today's episode. I will catch you in two days when the next episode drops. Until then, happy running.